Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Talking Talky podcast. You're joined by me, Sam Drewiff. And this evening I have with me Mr. Matthew Roberts. Hi, Sam. And Chris Ballard. Good evening. Who is in the US of A. Like always. I always like to get that in there, just so that people can appreciate that even when you live over there, you can't escape this horrible football club. I prefer to think of it as that we're an international club and we're massive. We've got a fan club in Brazil, one in Norway, and then me over here with about three other dudes. That's international. Yeah, that, that, that's true. Um, so you wouldn't have thought it, but we, we won on Saturday with another Gary time winner, 90th minute. Usually something we're all delighted about and I was quite excited about. Um, but it seems to be a real mixed reaction, both at the game and after the game. Um, Matt, you went. What What did you make of it? It didn't... It, well, despite the fact that we scored a late winner, it didn't really feel like we did, I don't think. Um, because the few minutes before that uh, sort of took the shine off it, I think. Um, all of the negativity towards little which obviously get onto a bit but um in terms of the actual match itself i didn't think we were that good uh, johnson admitted that afterwards um and anybody who went could see it um i thought we were pretty slow and sloppy um dover were there for the taking they shut up shop immediately after they scored and we made hard work of breaking them down but in the end we had a player who could call upon two moments of quality and they did and that was the difference i thought for me yeah, I I, th- I think you're right. Um, I, I was there, and it wasn't the best talky performance I've ever seen. Um, but in in a nutshell, my opinion of it is, I agree with Johnson. Dover aren't going to lose every game. They're effectively there playing pride. It felt like they took it was sloppy defending for their goal. It felt like it was something they really weren't expecting so early on as well. Um, maybe I'm looking at it through rose tinted glasses. But earlier in the season when we did that against. Um, Altrincham and Woking, we went off. We went on to get hammered. Now, all right, it's only Dover, but show that bit of character, get it back to one all, and win it to carry on going and win the game with little quality out there. I felt I, I thought it was a real. It shows that they are from where we were at the start of the season, which is a million miles off where we were at the end of last season. But it shows that we're getting back to that level, in my opinion. Um, let, let's address the elephant in the room with, with Armani Little. Um, I, I must admit, I thought he had a good game on the whole. Aside from the two goals, he... I was saying just before we started, didn't we? I, he, he always finds himself in these pockets of space. And he... I think what I like about him is he doesn't just play it safe with sideways passes. He, he really tries to make something happen. A lot of the time he's making he's playing balls that other players just aren't an, anticipating. But I must admit, when he got given man of the match, bearing in mind I'm really not sure, not sure who else would have warranted it on Saturday. I don't think anyone else stood out that much. Maybe Keelan O'Connell. But the, the reception he got, I, I really felt for the guy. I, I thought that was completely unnecessary. Um, Chris, what, what did you... You weren't there, but what what did you make of kind of the reaction that you know on Twitter and, and and on social media? I think it's fucking ridiculous. I agree with you in that he's not the player. He doesn't hide. 
Um, he's probably the bravest player we have at the club because he's the one looking to make those passes that don't always come off. And those are the kinds of attempts that cause the groans at Playmore, which is why people get on his back. Um, he could easily play it safe and play it square or backwards all of the time. And his life would probably be a lot easier, but he wouldn't be as an effective footballer. So, um, I mean, we can get onto the politics of booing players in a minute, I'm sure, but he was a good player. I think he deserved the man of the match award again in a field of not really anybody standing out. Um, I think it's telling his reactions after both of his goals. Um, and I think that if you went to the game and you booed our money, or you should take a long, hard look at yourself. You won't because you're a fucking idiot, but you should. Um, and I think it's to Armani's credit that he kept plugging to the 90th minute because it wasn't long after he'd been given the man of the match award and he was getting booed for that. And he still popped up to score a goal. That was really very difficult. I mean, I can't think of any other players in that side who you would feel confident put, putting that away. And he did it with a plum. It was a really good goal, I, I thought. It came out of nowhere either. As you say, nobody else could have done that in the, in the team on Saturday. Lemonhead Evans was out, not injured, but he was still not there. Um, but I'm on the, the whole booing thing. I've never heard that before for a man of the match announcement at all. And you know, the booze, it wasn't even a, a small group of people. I mean, I was sitting slap bang in the middle of the bench and I could, it was all around me. So it wasn't just a few people in the pop side who were a bit pissed off. There's a lot of people. I thought, you know, for a player to hear that, as he's been announced, that he, he was the only one who could have won one of the match, especially after the second goal as well. Nobody else really did that much enough to warrant it. O'Connell was decent, but best I've seen him play anyway. But, um, it must be tough. You know, you're meant to be able to celebrate that and enjoy it. And he couldn't. He can't enjoy that when uh, you score a second goal and you've won the match for your team. But it, And, yeah, nobody really wants you to, it feels like, in the stands, I'm sure. No, I, I completely agree with you both. It's, it's one of those, and it is sad that when someone who was the standout player in a game scores two really classy goals. I mean, you know, the first one, he creates the opportunity himself by bringing the play from the right to the left. He finds himself in a really good bit of space. I didn't realise until I saw the highlights earlier how far out it was. And yeah, okay, it wasn't perfect goalkeeping, but he's hit it from distance. It's bounced just before the keeper. And it's a really smart finish. You know, and a lot, of, like you said, a lot of players in that team wouldn't try that kind of thing. They'd play it a bit safe. And um I think the second one, it's kind of coming. He's had to really kind of move his body. It's on his wrong foot late on in the game. It's easy to kind of take a touch or, you know, hit it, you know, in, in over to the swimming pool. And um, I think, I think it's a real shame. I think it's a real shame. And I, I really hope that all the people that have rightly rallied around him on Twitter and social media, avenues to, to say look it's a minority Armani keep it up a lot of people are appreciating what you're doing I think it's really I think it's a really nice touch and I, I really hope that he he notices how much that he is appreciated by a lot of the fan base and I must admit if you're one of the people that booed him all right I mean I, 
I've laughed when certain players got man of the match in the past, but you're more kind of laughing at the sponsors thinking, well, you clearly haven't watched the game. You've been enjoying the, the drinks. But I think if you're one of the people that boos one of your own players when, we, when we're winning, I think you really need to have a look at yourself and consider, is it the sport for you? Um, uh, certainly, is it the club for you? Yeah, like you guarantee that if Little ends up leaving in the summer, the same people who booed him on Saturday would be the same ones who'd be like, fuck me, there's no loyalty in football, is there? Um, and he's had a rough couple of years. He's been injured a lot. Um, but we signed him off the back of his performances with Woking, where he was probably, if you take the talkie side out of the equation, the best player in the NLS that year. Um, I still think he's got the talent to play at a higher level. Um, and I think it's overshadowing the fact that we've beaten a side, okay, that we needed to beat, but where would we be without Little this season? I think he scored seven goals and had six assists. Like, we're not scoring goals from everywhere. We don't have Danny Wright, who scored 10 already. He's the top scorer this season. Without him, we would probably be, well, not below Dover, let's be honest, but we would be in the shit. Um, and we've already seen, just last weekend, Team Aldershot beat Grimsby. Um, Kings Lynn, I think, gave Wrexham a bit of a scare until the last half an hour. So you can only beat what's in front of you. I think we should be celebrating a win, even if it wasn't the 5 6 nil drubbing that we may have hoped for. Um, but if we end up sneaking that, but then still winning the next two games, I think we'll be pretty happy. Yeah, for me, this point in the season is just about getting points on the board. You can perfect the performances later on. It don't really matter. But, you know, you look at where we are. Um, we've got a couple of good results. We uh, think since the FA Cup, you've beaten Kings Lynn 2-0. One all away at Wrexham. Take, everyone would have taken that, especially another late goal. Um, you know, I don't care how we did it. You don't get bonus points for playing passing football or you know, being the best, you know, being the most classy team. It's another three points on Saturday. If we go to Barnet and win on next weekend, all of a sudden, people, you know. We're in danger of being on a run. Yeah. I think that's four, four wins in a row at home now, which, you know, the first two home games were abject. So the fact that we've won four in a row at home is, is very promising. Again, we've got two winnable games you would think although like I say we played Aldershot who did big Grimsby at the weekend um, we come out you know, if we're going into Halifax game on the 27th having won three in a row we're going to be very pleased um, and then that game become you know has a little bit more importance because then you think well if you can beat a team like Halifax who would start the season well maybe we are in the shake-up for the playoffs well that's the thing there's a long old way to go and you know let's let's be honest on Saturday we were out without um Still without Asa Hall, who makes a huge difference to that team whenever he plays. Uh, Sinclair Armstrong was was out. He, he's obviously away on international duty. Um, well, you, you say obviously, but the club never, never, uh, never took the time to actually say. But you, you only have to, you can only find out that sort of stuff by uh, going on social media and things. So uh, yeah, any any person who goes, any person who goes to that to the game on Saturday and sees, oh well, Armstrong's not there, Adai's not there. Wonder where they are. Uh, oh wait, yeah. you have to sort of read between the lines and watch Johnson's uh, press call to see some sort of to see him sort of casually say, "Oh yeah, no, it's not. yeah." So that's well, that, that that's a club club communications, which have never been uh, the strongest point. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, the, so the other player I'd like to add is I, I thought it would probably O'Connell's best game in a tall key shirt. And I really think he's starting to find his feet. I think given uh, time and a bit of patience, if the, you know, if Torquay fans can actually bring themselves to do that, I think he, he's going to come good. Yeah, when we signed him and we got Rodgers not long afterwards, I thought Rodgers was the guy who had the most potential, but he's not produced it so far. O'Connell seems to be getting better with each game. Um, I think, again, we've said it before on the podcast, but next season could be the season for him to really be a threat in this division. Um, I did just want to mention the goal we conceded, though, because I was watching the highlights this morning, and it does look like Moxie slips at the back post. So it was not brilliant defending, but the guy who scores, I forget his name because he plays with Dover and really he's good to shit. Um, he sneaks in from the back post, getting past Moxie, who I think falls over. Um, so, you know, defending, not brilliant, but it, you, you can you can make excuses. And as you said it was, before... It was that, that number 18, I think, wasn't it? He was uh, who scored. I think he was, I'm not sure his name, but he was their best player all day. I thought he was the no, only one in their team with anything I, about him, I thought. I think it was their number 11. Their number 18, I lost my head at one point because he feigned an injury at one all. He, I think he was playing left back or left mid and, yeah, gave a little kind of wink to the pop side. And I said to mum savoury things which don't take back. So, yeah, I hope... I, 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 sorry, I was going to say, I genuinely hope that he has a part-time football career and never plays this level again. It blows my mind that you're playing for Dover who are on minus nine points and you're trying to save a point. Like, you're already at the point where you can't afford to draw games anymore. You need to go and win yeah, it. Yeah, they were that desperate. Like, they, what difference? You know, oh, we've finished bottom and we only got zero points. Like, what's the point of that? Go out and win a game. Or at least try. Yeah. Because they're, they're going to fade into obscurity. They're getting relegated. We know that. Most of their players are going to go back to being, you know, full-time postmen, I would imagine. Um, and the club will probably sink into irrelevancy and hopefully uh, death. Yeah, it's funny. I sort of feel, sort of feel sorry for um, their fans a bit, but grim football club. And to be honest, I don't think anyone in the national league is going to miss them. They, they really messed around a lot of teams last year by not finishing the league, and I think they've only got what they. Yeah, exactly. That, that I don't want to think about what that three points would have done. Um, well, we've got Barnet on Saturday. Away, Barnet, who oddly are above us on the table, I think, at the moment. Um, they lost to Wheelstone on Saturday. Um, Connor Evans should be back because his, his partner had a baby. Congratulations, Connor. Um, it's not an injury or anything. And for those speculating, I'm not sure if they've put a bid in on the baby or not, Wrexham, but uh, I'm sure we'll soon find out because that's everything's, everyone's assumption. Um, you'd hope that Armstrong is back fit from international duty, which sounds daft to say as a talkie fan. Um, but yeah, you, you add those two in, uh, and all of a sudden you think, yeah, it looks like pretty, quite you know, quite quite a solid starting eleven away at Barnet. Um, Matt, are you going? I am going. Yes, yeah. Um, I can't resist um, ten pound tickets uh, to go and see Barnet. And the last time that we went uh, to Barnet, Little scored well one of the goals of his career, I think. Um, oh, that was a stunning goal. Whenever I see that. The goal that hangs in the air for about half an hour and the keeper gets absolutely nowhere near it at full stretch. Um, uh, I think it'll be a bit different on Saturday because it's not going to be about 35 degrees. But um, oh, it was ro- I went yeah. up in a car of five and it was sweltering. Um, no, I'm looking forward to it. I'm getting the train up, train to Paddington. Um, 
So I think I think it'd be a really good day out, and I've, I've fully back us to win win there. I'm going to go. I think it would be two 0 I, I could see a really strong performance coming on Saturday. Fancy yeah, us I think we'll win. Um, what was that sorry, Chris? I was saying you fancy us. Uh, I, I'll, I'll only let that know now about two o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> we wouldn't want to give it away any sooner. Yeah. Um, Player, I'm also interested in seeing it on Saturday because he played a. He didn't do too much on against Dover with uh, Byron Moore. He's he, he clearly isn't fully much fit yet, but. You know, it was another, what, 60-odd minutes in the tank for him against Dover. It can only help. And, you know, he's a pretty good option to have, given his pedigree with Plymouth. So another another string to elbow. Um, and I saw before the Dover game, uh, not on Torquay, Torbay Weekly, which uh, was talking about, oh, this weekend against Dover might be one weekend too soon for Hall and Wright. Who knows if they're actually going to be back for this weekend or if it's you know, in three months. But it's it's a little bit of hope. And if one of those is on the bench, that's a good feeling to have. I don't it, know if I'd be in any rush to see Hall anytime soon. because no, I would. When he was playing, and I don't know whether he was injured when he was playing before, but he was awful. In no, the that he I, couldn't, I couldn't disagree more. He he was certainly carrying a knock, um, but he, and he wasn't at his best. But you really notice when he doesn't play because we just lose that bit of structure. Now, I'm a big, big Tom Lapsley fan. But on Saturday, if Asa Hall was 100% fit, I'm playing him and Little in the middle together with uh, with Evans just ahead. I think this team is a, is a different kettle of fish with Asa Hall. Um, even when he's not at his best, the structure we lose without him, I think he's, he's certainly not been at his best this season, but I think... I I take a kind of seventy five percent fit Asa Hall over anyone else in the middle. I just think we we lose so much without him. I think this is the first time we've disagreed, Sam. Like ever. Normally it's like, oh, I agree with Sam. Oh, I agree with Chris. But no, I I've, I mean I I hope you're right. I I think a fit Asa Hall playing well is absolutely a a positive for the team. But so far, I think he's came into the season with an injury. He played two or three games, I think it was, and he looked like he was running in Trigal. Um, so I'm prepared to put that down to an injury, and I wouldn't want him to come back until he's absolutely ready. Um, we keep losing people from injury. We lost Chory Johnson on Saturday, I think 25 oh, God, seconds after a... he came on. Um, and that looked like a hamstring pull, so he could be out for four or five weeks easily. Um, and I... Just wish we could figure out how to stop getting these sort of injuries. Really odd. Yeah, it was a really odd one because he was through. It was a great ball over the top. I can't remember who played the ball now. Um, I think it might have been Little, actually. Um, really good ball over and, and his touch looked okay. And he just pulled up and it was like, oh, he's joking. Because he's a really good option to have on the bench because, you know, like... He, he can play right back. He can play right midfield. He plays centre midfield. He he's a great utility player, and yeah, frustrating. And you want to know kind of exactly. Yeah, there, there needs to be some kind of almost like internal investigation to see what on earth is happening with with these hamstring injuries. That, you know, we get way too many. That's the, that's the um, I mean, that's the quickest injury I think I've ever seen. Um, at Torquay. Um, maybe Aaron Racine a few 
few years ago. Um, oh God, close, but um, memories. And um, but that was that was his first run, the first time he's really exerted himself. I mean, clearly, he wasn't you know, eased into he it, was he? Sorry. I no, mean, no, no, that was, that's the first time that he's had to run. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was yeah, and I think he, he might well have scored. He was in, um, yeah. but I mean that's surely down to yeah, you know, surely down to your preparation and maybe it's not his fault. But you know, if you're throwing a player on, then you know, you've got, surely he has to be you know, actually ready to go on. Although I would have put Andrews on before him anyway, because, uh, because Andrew, Andrews came on pretty soon afterwards. Well, I'm not sure why he's out of favour at the moment, but I'd be putting him on earlier than he is. He definitely wouldn't have pulled the hamstring sprinting. <laughs> wouldn't have sprinted. Yeah, sprinting. Um, it's a weird one with Andrews, because I think there was obviously, you know, he, he's made a comment on Twitter earlier in the season um, saying that he, he'd been unwell. So I think a lot of people, because I, I know he was one of the players that did get COVID in the summer, um, but I'm, I'm fairly sure he did. Don't say that's gospel. But I wonder if it's kind of long COVID and it's, you know, being eased back into it. You know, I see his dad put an awful lot on Twitter saying it wouldn't be nice if he gets some minutes. But I wonder how much, you, you know, is, is that just, you know, your dad watching and not, you know, wanting you to play or, or whatever. But it's it's a tricky one because he came on. I thought he's really calming influence on Saturday. Um, and he's certainly a player you'd rather have than not have in the team. Oh yeah, by all, absolutely. I mean, the team didn't exactly play to his strength when he came. Um, just launch balls over the top of him or to his head, and thought, Andrew's a target man. He's, he's not going to create anything if you just keep bumping it forward." Yeah, but, um, uh, Jake Andrews is a left midfielder. He's not a left winger. He's kind of from the no, same mould of maybe Wayne Carlisle. Kind of give it to his feet. He could maybe beat a man and then put in a good ball. He's certainly not going to make these long runs on things. He's not going to be beating three or four players and whipping it across. He's a left midfielder. Um, but yeah, it's it's good to see him back in back in the squad, though, certainly after quite quite a lengthy absence, it felt. The Ian Morris of, uh, of 2021. Oh, you can't compare him to Ian except- Morris. I don't compare <laughs> anyone to Ian Morris. <laughs> except, except he's actually got a first touch and he can play football. What a dreadful excuse for a footballer. Um, <laughs> right, I think that kind of covers the uh, the footballing side of the podcast this week. Um, have you both got a pen and paper? Um, I have a pen. Because you don't need one. Oh, thanks. Fucking mm. Thanks. <laughs> I've got paper. Yeah. But... I'll do the jokes. Right. So we're going to play a game which I have stolen from... Talk sport. Sorry, Charlie. Um, guess the attendance. So I'm going to give you a few games. Oh, should be good. I'll refresh your memories. Closest to it wins. Okay. Play along at home. You win nothing, but you might have fun. First game. 7th of January, 2006. Talking ice against Birmingham City. FA Cup third round. Scores 0-0. Should have won because it wasn't a foul on Mike Taylor. Uh, what was the attendance? I will I go went to this one. Uh, oh, I, uh, so so did several others by the looks of things. Um, it's right, put a long way woods hit the crossbar. Uh, hit the post. Um, like the stanchion bit. 
right yeah. under the crossbar. I, I, and Alex Lawless for that long run. Oh, I could do, a, do a whole podcast in that game. Uh, right, Chris, I'll go to you first because you said you were there and you weren't. You weren't um, all, uh, when you say, so it's going to be one of those where I say a number and Matt thinks, oh, I think it's less, so I'm going to say one fewer. You can do. Depends right. if you're feeling adventurous. Uh, 5,249. Damn it, I was going to say 5,248, but never mind. Um, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go for... 5,852. I must admit, Matt, that's not a million miles off. It was 5,974. Get it. Wow. So, one nil to Matt. Okay. (laughs) Next game. And I'm sorry to revisit this, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Steve Nidge against Talk United. 28th of May oh, 2011 at Old Trafford. Matt, as you won the previous one, uh, sorry, it was 1 0. John Messinier scored. <laughs> Bastard. Um, Matt, as you got that last one right, I'll give you first first guess. What a rubbish game that was. Um, it was a uh, rubbish day as well. Um, I think it was 10,600. 10, 6. Chris? 11.5. I mean, it's pretty, pretty close, Chris. 11,484. Wow. Wow. That was and very still, close. The atmosphere was absolutely nothing that day. Um, it's Dreadful. A, that was the uh, Buckle final, right? Old Trafford. Buckle's last yeah, game. Yeah, he left after that. Yeah, I feel like most think, of us knew what was happening at that point. I think he left at half time, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the players, players didn't turn off. Yeah. After the Shrewsbury game as well, which I went to, the uh, yeah. playoff final, the playoff semi final away. What an amazing game. Five being nil nil. And then you go to Old Trap and you think, oh my God, we're going to go off here. And oh, wait, this, this is just dreadful. Uh, okay, Chris, you can have first dibs on this one. Uh, we're going back in time to Barnet, 2001. Topical, because we're playing there Saturday. Uh, 5th of May, 2001. Torquay won 3-2. The goal's coming from Jason Reese, Kevin Hill and David Graham. Uh, Chris, go on. What do you reckon? Oh, God. This was at Underhill, wasn't it? It wasn't the new hive. Yeah, yeah, Underhill. Uh, God, I don't even know what their attendance was, that their capacity was. Um... I think it's about like 50,000 or so, that capacity or something like that. Yeah, yeah thanks. That's, that's really hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 5,300. Okay. I'll go for 4,200. Right, it's the point goes to goes over the Atlantic. Um, it was 5,523. Chris, that was pretty close, to be fair. Yeah. Um, I'm talking about at that point, so it's not fair. Are. Yeah. Uh, right. I wasn't there. It was the year before I started supporting, but arguably most fans who were there, they're st- still their best day as a yellow. Oh, South End against Torquay, 8th of May 2004. Steve Woods and Graham scored. 
but how many were in that stadium or ground? I don't get called roots or the stadium. Do I get to go first again? Or yes, you do because you won the last one. Sorry, yeah, it's um, you. This is another game I was at. To be fair, the whole day was a bit hazy. So if they told me the attendance, I would not have remembered it. Um, South End were nowhere. So 4,200. Matt? Um, six and a half thousand. Matt, it's a win, but it's a shallow win because you're both quite far off. 8,894. I must admit, I was surprised when I saw that. I didn't think there would have been that many. Well, they're giving tickets away that day. Or maybe it was the massive draw of the cheeky girls. Well, maybe. Maybe they did an Orts County and thought, oh, we'll get loads of people in by offering tickets for a fiver. Yeah. It's not that much of a record when the tickets are a fiver and the kids are Oh, is that that what Orts County did at the weekend? Oh, I didn't realise that. That's how it was so good. You know, it's not like people weren't that desperate to see captain chino's manager football team it was you know um right tiebreaker then plymouth argyle against talking united one of my favorite ever away days this second of january 2012 talkie won 2-1 luke young scored for plymouth but billy bowling scored for talkie so did lee mansell one of my most favorite celebrations knee line in front of the fans in what was his best ever season play the klaxon don't know. Matt, what's your guess? This is home part, by the way, not playing more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember how many home park actually holds, but must have been a lot in the ground that day. Uh, I'll go for 12,000. It was League Two, wasn't it? League Two. I don't think it's 12,000. 11,999. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you let me have that, or would you like me to actually have a proper guess? No, that's your guess. Okay. Matt, yeah, you get it. That probably means it's more than 12,000. Oh, yeah. 12,836. Wow. I think they're about two and a half away fans that day, about 2,300. It was... Uh, it was an incredibly well supported game. I remember the Torquay fans didn't stop singing and it, it felt it felt like one of those special nights. Well, I'd say nights, it, it, you know, afternoons, but but cold. It was uh it was brilliant. And and, and that was um they kind of started that run by then and and that was what really kick started the uh the second half of the season where we so nearly went up and uh yeah, what a season that was. Um I loved it. I remember Gosh. listening to that game on the radio and I thought something so special was happening. And then of course it all goes a bit perfect. Yeah, that that it was that game against Crew, which for me is still worse. Oh, no, I was at that, yeah. Yeah, I was there. I just because we were so close and I thought if we'd have won that, that was pretty much because we would have gone to Hereford, it would have been a formality. Uh well, so yeah. as much as it can be for Torquay. But I just, that moment that Nick Powell scored for me was the biggest sucker punch. It's worse than the Buse penalty because I'd kind of accepted the Buse thing. You know, when, when it goes to penalties, I kind of just thought it was over then. But that, that Nick Powell goal will stay with me forever. It really will.
And also, um, we did have the ball in the back of the net after that Nick Cole goal, I think. Yeah, um, Danny Stevens think got it. Yeah, where there was the, the referee or the linesman um, gave it, you know, gave a foul for some obscure reason. There was a melee of players uh, when, yeah, should have stood. Yeah, I remember Mansell tweeted after the game saying we scored a perfectly good goal. And uh, yeah, was it? Um, can't remember where Crawley played that day, but they they won their game. Good for them, wankers. Um, the two okay. games I was at, I didn't get right. That's helpful. Well, well, practice well. for next time, but hopefully you enjoyed that. And if you played at home and, and you got your scores, then feel free to send them in. I won't read them. Um, <laughs> there's no prizes. Any other business? I've got a couple of bits. Um, Disappointing there was no Remembrance Parade on Saturday, a minute silence or two minute silence with the last post. Don't take an awful lot of effort. I think the club have let themselves down there. Um, uh, for a lot of people, it's who it, it maybe can't get to the proper parades on, on a Sunday. Um especially for the older generation. I think it's it's a real shame not to have had that. I know they did a good job of the poppy shirts for Wrexham, but for me, I thought that was a big own goal. So disappointing that. Um, the Talking Night Sports Trust is next Thursday. If you're a member, please do come along. It's at Talkie Rugby Club. I think it starts at seven, but I'll double check that. Um, I believe there are refreshments there. For, for everyone obviously you've got to be a member so if you're not probably still got time to sign up but well worth coming well worth coming in and just kind of having a bit of a catch up obviously last year they, they had to do it all over over teams or, or zoom or whatever um and if if you're in exile you can still go you can still join via zoom so any questions best bet is to go, go on the website or, or just tweet at tust come on you yellows or tust c-a-y-y um important that we get as many people there as we can so yeah please do come if, if you're available it's next Thursday at the rugby club I think it's seven or it's half six or seven I'll double check but yeah well worth coming um, now I mentioned in that game the Stevenage playoff final the reason I found that I thought I'd put that one in is because I saw an interesting stat the other day now Paul Buckle and his partner are in England at the moment um, obviously after a restrictions have finally allowed them to Paul was at the Stevenage game I saw on his Instagram because he put a picture up of the playoff trophy saying the one that got away which didn't lighten the mood on Saturday I must admit um he's now three to one he's, he's moved from 16 to one to three to one with the bookmakers to be their next manager now I'm interested to get your take on this Chris because on paper if he lived in England it'd be a great fit he knows the league. He's, you know, he stayed involved in football in some capacity, obviously managed in America for a bit, but, you, you know, has been doing consulting and everything. Is it something that you think as, a, as someone who's, who's been involved in bookmakers before that it, there's genuine legs to, or do you think that sort of thing where someone's seen him at the, at the ground and it's like, you know, lower the price just in case? It's a little bit of both. Um, Someone's seen him and they've gone and probably had 50 quid in it. And in those markets, it doesn't take a lot of money to change the price. Um, so it could be that someone's had a fairly slight, because normally those kind of bets are like a tenner. If someone goes in and adds 50 or 100, bookmakers will panic that someone has the inside info, so they'll shorten the price. With that being said, I know he lives in the US, but his wife, I think they're married, but his, his wife works for NBC and their rights to 
the Premier League expire at the end of this season. They're going really? through the process now. And the, the expectation is that ESPN are going to make a huge bid for it. And NBC Sports will... Because NBC are changing... They have a channel called NBC Sports that's closing end of the year. So they're going to put all of their Premier League stuff on a different channel, which to right. me suggests a lack of investment in it. Um, so I would not be surprised to see NBC lose to rights. And that would then mean that Rebecca Lowe wouldn't have... I mean, she may get hired by ESPN. Her first job here was at ESPN for the World Cup a few years ago. Um, but, and all this was news to me. I didn't know about this whole buckle thing, but it does kind of fit in with where her career might be going right now. And again, I don't, you know, I don't know them very well at all, really. Not like they um, messaged me or anything, but that would perhaps be another indicator that they're ready to go back. And he, like you say, he managed Sacramento Republic, um, who are essentially a non-league side. I mean, they're not bad, but they're not in MLS. They're in USL, I think, which is, you know, outside of MLS. And it's there's no promotion relegation, so he's got no chance of being involved in MLS. I think his hope was that he would be an MLS manager at some point. Over the past 10 years, clubs have kind of moved away from bringing in English managers. Um, unless you're into Miami, who've hired Phil Neville and he's been terrible. Um, you know, they, they want to promote, now that they've got 25 years of, of the league, they're bringing in people who have managed and played in the league before. Whereas in the early days of the league, they couldn't do that because they didn't have anybody. Um, so I would not be surprised to see him pitch up in England again. Well, that's interesting. I mean, you know, if that's the case, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, I'm really speculating, but, you know, if you've lived abroad for a bit and you've kind of lived that dream in America for a while and, but but maybe the job's kind of coming to an end. She's obviously her CV has only got better since she's been there. So you, you wonder, is it a case of like actually good time to um, come over and and maybe take a, a job with with Sky Sports or the Premier League or or BT Sport, even you know maybe one of the Talk Sports or something. Um, you know, because there's certainly certainly scope to have you know not just for this. And I, I hope I hope people. So it's right way, but it's, it's it's always nice to see see women involved in in the game. Um, you know, I think Sky have done a really good job with that over the years, over the last few years. Sorry, um, and yeah, like you say, if they come back, why why wouldn't he get back involved in football? I mean, I must admit, when I saw him at the Stevenage game, I thought that's a really odd game to go to. I can't remember who they played, but um, they played Mansfield at the weekend, didn't they? Yeah, Mansfield. What an odd game to go to as, as a neutral. You know, if. It, Buckle's got contacts everywhere, and if he's staying in London or something or whatever, he could have gone to. He could have had his pick of any game. I know it's in Sashbrook, so there's no Premier League games, but there are better game, better grounds to visit or, or have a day out at Stevenage. And it's not like he's a. And it seemed that he was in the boardroom or something, or, or something to have a picture, take a picture of that trophy. It, he's an odd manager to have as a guest. Someone that the last involvement he's had with them would have been when they beat him in the playoff final. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd have really mixed opinions of that. You know, I, no problem with seeing him back in the English game. I, I really got a lot of respect for Paul Buckle. He, he was very good in came on our Legends event, well, the Legends of the Buckle era. And the way he explained everything that happened, I think a lot of fans kind of, it gave a lot of fans closure in a way. But to go to a club that we lost to, I, I'd have real mixed feelings about that. Really mixed feelings. I think if you're if you don't want our former managers to go to teams who've beaten us, that's a pretty short list. I mean, over the years, we've lost to pretty much everybody. 
I know it was a, you know it was a big. Not game. a playoff and fucking final though. He's probably. I don't know whether it's a thing that's likely to happen, but like I said, the timing could be good for him. Um, you know, they still have what six months of the season of the Premier League season for um, Rebecca to to be at, but she also commutes from California every weekend for it. You know, the studios in Connecticut where I live. And they live in Northern California. I think they live in the Sacramento area. So she's flying over and back every week. Can you so, just, just hear me. Can you give us a bit of, um, can you give us a bit of uh, context? Now? I'm not sure how far that is. Six hour flight. Right. Okay. So. 3,000 miles. It's about as far as you can go. Like I'm on the East coast and Sacramento is on the West coast. So you're basically right. cross country. So I believe she flies in Thursdays and flies out again Sunday evenings. Because she'll do Saturday and she'll do Sunday. Um, and she doesn't do every week. Some weeks she's not there and they have a couple of, you know, body, warm bodies they bring in to do it. And she'll really, she won't do the Monday games. Um, so she's been commuting from California. I assume they were in California because of where Paul Buckle, his job was in Northern California. Um, initially, when they moved over, she was local. She was in Connecticut because Buckle was at a company called the Metropolitan Oval in New York. He was a soccer, soccer, sorry, um, consultant. He was helping, you know, they run a lot of youth programs and he was helping out there, but then he got a Sacramento job and they both moved to Northern California. I think they've had a child in the last few years as well. Um, so she commutes a lot for this job. So I'm sure if Sky said, hey, do you fancy working for us? Do you fancy being the replacement for Jeff Stelling on Soccer Saturday? She'd be all over it. Um, and I think yeah. she's an excellent broadcaster. I, I mean, I thought she was a revelation when she came out to do the World Cup for ESPN. I think it was the probably the 2010 World Cup that they hired her. And I didn't really know her because I wasn't super familiar with her work in England. And then NBC got the rights. They spent a lot of money on those rights and they did a really, really good job. I mean, their coverage has been spectacular, even though they have Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl as their in-panel guests most of the time, which you wouldn't think were good, but they're both actually very good. They brought Danny Higginbotham, uh, Higginbotham, whatever it is, Danny Higginbotham in to do uh, some of it over there, I think. And and he, I used to think he was quite good on Sky when he did the Football League stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, he's, um, he's been there recently. Um, but Robbie, the two Robbies, they have their own podcast as well. And they're actually pretty good. I mean, it can be quite difficult when CBS have the Champions League. So they have uh, Micah Richards and Thierry Henry and Jamie Carragher uh, do a lot of the stuff there. Um, and then you've got Robbie Earl and Robbie Musto, like Robbie Musto, the loser in the League Cup final in 2003. Like, you know, it's not a huge career to compare with, but they've been very good. And I, I would, this is not really of interest to anybody except me, but I would think it was a shame if ESPN got the rights instead of NBC. They've been brilliant for the game over here. Just having a quick look now, because um... ESPN already have some of the like the EFL games, they cover some of those. So I can watch usually one or two of those games a weekend. They have the championship, they have Bundesliga now. Um, they also have they just picked up La Liga, which was unfortunate because they picked it the week you know, the week before Messi left Barcelona. Um, so they're investing in in the game. And you know, it's the same thing in England. Live sport is really the only way to guarantee people watch television now. 
maybe, maybe some network needs to buy the rights for the conference in America. Uh, and they could bring back the likes of Santa Shield again, and she could front that couple. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, I I, th- I thought that when when they did um, they did a very good job, Satanta. Um, oh, I loved it. Yeah, I thought a better better job than BT. I must admit, I thought I thought I put a lot more effort into it. You know, Steve Bauer was a fantastic commentator. Uh, Rebecca Lowe was good on it. Um, it's funny, Paul uh, Chris Hargreaves had a job lined up with them before they went bust bit of uh, trivia um we're waffling a little bit but yeah i mean just just having a look now so obviously they stevenage put out on two days ago that Ravel was going to t- uh, stand down as manager um and a new management team would be appointed now i can't find one bookmakers that are just offering it easily to look at but i just went on betting odds and they've kind of done it all Steve Evans, for some reason, is the favourite, even the favourite, even though he's currently at Gillingham. So I don't really see that happening. Um, and then Paul Buckler is the next favourite. Bet Victor have got him at five to two. Um, uh, sorry, I'll just add: always gamble responsibly. Only gamble what you can afford. And when the fun stops, times when your money back. No, when the fun stops, stop. It's a silly habit. But Paul Buckle is five to two. That's really interesting. Um, you look at the other names they've got linked early on. Warren Feeney, I don't think he's done. I think he managed in Ireland for a bit when he left Plymouth. But Mark Bircham, don't know him. Michael Flynn, I don't think he'd go there. Paul Tisdale, but these are all like you got Buckle five to two, Warren Feeney three to one, and then twelve to one is the next one. So it looks like Buckle really, yeah, really interesting that if he's coming back to football. Um, and you wonder how long, if we go on another bad run of results, how long it take people to start saying, would you need him back here? <laughs> I would the League Two team, even if they weren't doing well, to come to Torquay. Um, but... He did an interview with Radio Devon once, felt he had unfinished business. So, uh, yeah, interesting. I, I might leave. I think we should leave that as unfinished. Just don't taint no. mostly good memories. Well, um, we never worked. Remember when we got had David Graham come back on loan? Dreadful, dreadful. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick, another, any other business is her game too. I would implore the club to please get in contact with them. I'm not sure anybody at the club listens to this podcast, but we've been banging this drum on the social medias and on the podcast for weeks. And as far as we can tell, the club do not care. Um, I would like to believe they're just busy with other stuff. Um, you know, some of the stuff they've done with the attendances recently giving out tickets to NHS workers was, was nice. Um, but it doesn't take really any effort or any money to get involved with her game too. And I think certainly our female fans and most of the male fans would appreciate the club making an effort for once. Yeah, I mean, it's something that the club hasn't thought of. So automatically, they, uh, they don't want to get involved with it. And also, if they, it's obviously it's an it's, it's such a stupid thing not to get involved, but it's it's a win-win. But I think the club is probably thinking, oh god, if we if we, if we do it now, then people will think that we got strong arms and doing it by fans. We can't, can't have any of that. But yeah, a bit pathetic, really. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, unless there's anything else. Nope. I think that's probably it. So thank you for listening once again. Um, 
got a few things coming up, so keep an eye out for anything coming up on the the, the best way to keep track is just on the um, podcast Twitter page. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Matthew. Cheers. Thanks very much. I say Matthew just because it says Matthew on your thing. I don't I usually call you Matt, but I'm just re- literally reading off your, your Zoom name. Um, and thanks to Chris Yeehaw Ballard. That's a weird name to have down. Hey, y'all. Have a good Chris, day now. Yeah? Chris is in America. Thanks for joining us. And we will come back to you soon after the big win away at Barnet on Saturday. <laughs>